We've determined uh, that Audrey bought seven firearms from five different local gun stores here legally. They were legally purchased. Uh, three of those weapons were used yesterday uh, during this horrific tragedy uh, that happened. Seven guns bought legally from five different stores. No red flags. Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lanchester, Pennsylvania on W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. As always, it is our pleasure and honor to have you with us. Uh, Just a little bit today. Uh, right off the bat, uh, because frankly, we don't have a lot of good news. I'm sorry to say, Desi Doyen. Ah, uh, this is true, but there there is some good news. There at is, the Green News Report. Well, if you stick around to the end, we'll see. But if we're in a place where we're looking for the Green News Report to make things better, good point. <laughs> We're in trouble. Anyway. Yes, but that is what it is. It is what it is. That's what we got to work with. But yes. here is some, okay, some encouraging news, at least to start things off before we get to a bunch of other stuff, which may not be as encouraging. We will see. Uh, a federal judge has ordered former president, vice president, <laughs> Mike Pence, to comply with a subpoena in the investigation into former president Donald Trump's efforts to overturn to steal the 2020 election results. That, according to a source familiar with the decision, reports NBC, other outlets like uh, CNN and Washington Post, etc., as of airtime, have also confirmed this reporting about this still-sealed order from the judge. The ruling from Judge James Boesberg, who is now the chief judge for the U.S. District Court for the uh, District of Columbia, requires Pence to testify before the grand jury tied to the probe being led by special counsel Jack Smith. Pence's team had argued that the speech or debate clause of the U.S. Constitution, which can protect members of Congress from being compelled to discuss legislative activity, 
that that uh, granted Pence, Pence immunity from testifying about his role in certifying the election results. As in addition to being vice president, he argues that he also serves at at times as the president of the Senate and was doing so on January 6th. Judge Boesberg ruled that while Pence does have some limited protections because of that, the immunity does not prevent him from testifying about conversations related to alleged illegality on Donald Trump's part. While an overall victory for special counsel Jack Smith, the ruling, which remains under seal because it involves grand jury matters, gave Pence a partial victory uh, today regarding his argument that he was shielded from having to testify about January 6th because of his constitutional role as part of the legislative branch. By the way, the speech and debate clause does not uh, prevent someone, whether it's a Congress member or uh, vice president in this case, does not prevent them from testifying about anything they might like to testify about. For example, let's say someone was trying to overthrow the U.S. government and, you know, maybe you knew a thing or two about what that person was thinking as they were trying to overthrow the U.S. government, you could go to a uh, grand jury and tell them everything you know about that criminal act. You know, something a patriot might do. I don't know. Anyway, are uh, you calling Mike Pence a coward? Not yet. Actually, yeah, he's a coward. I'm going to go ahead and yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack Smith uh, issued the subpoena for cowardly Mike Pence in uh, in February and Pence vowed to fight it, saying, quote, no vice president has ever been subject to a subpoena to testify about the president with whom they served. And yes, that may be true. On the other hand, however, no president has ever attempted to use his vice president in a plot to overturn the U.S. government. And to reverse a fair election and to steal American democracy itself. So, yeah, there is a small difference. But Mike Pence pretends that he is running for president and, uh, you know, knows that he's going to somehow need the support of Trump voters if he's going to do that. The same ones, I guess, that are, you know, the chanted to hang him, to hang Mike Pence on January 6th. So good luck with that, Mike. But he wants to pretend, I guess, that he still has a, uh, you know, that, that somehow he can gain the support of Trump supporters even while he is running against Donald Trump, potentially, and maybe ridiculously. Anyway, it's unclear whether Pence plans to appeal Bozberg's decision, though he has that right to do so. Pence previously said he would take the case all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary. He told ABC News he was not asserting executive privilege over conversations uh, unrelated to his duties on January 6th, which, of course... He couldn't really do anyway, given that he's already been talking about all of those matters publicly. He even wrote a book about it. So any executive privilege that he might have had has uh, he has since given up long ago when he publicly discussed those matters. For example, as CNN notes today, many of Pence's public comments about his conversations with Trump in the days before and after the insurrection have come in a memoir that he published last year in which he discussed Trump's attempts to convince him that the Electoral Count Act allowed the vice president to simply reject electoral votes that were duly certified and submitted by the states. For final certification by Congress, he could just reject those. 
In the book, Pence wrote that Trump told him in the days before the attack that he would inspire the hatred of hundreds of thousands of people because he was, quote, too honest to attempt <laughs> to overturn the results of the election. The former vice president also said in the book that he has uh, that he asked his general counsel for a briefing on the procedures of the Electoral Count Act after Trump in a December 5 phone call. Quote, mentioned challenging the election results in the House of Representatives for the first time, unquote. Over lunch on December 21, Pence wrote he tried to steer Trump to listen to the White House counsel's team's advice rather than outside lawyers. Uh, a, a suggestion that the uh, then president shot down. And Pence wrote that Trump told him in a New Year's Day phone call, quote, you're too honest predicting that, quote, hundreds of thousands are going to hate your guts and, quote, people are going to think you're stupid. That whole you're too honest thing seems a bit like humble bragging to me. <laughs> he kept telling me I was too honest. Mr. President, uh, wrote Pence, uh, I don't question there were irregularities and fraud. It's just a question of who decides. And under that law, under the law, that is Congress, wrote Pence. Uh, claiming that's what he told Donald Trump. Trump's legal team, uh, meanwhile, had uh, separately made wholesale objections to Smith's subpoena of Pence on executive privilege grounds, claims which Boesberg completely rejected on Monday. Boesberg's ruling on executive privilege marks another victory for the special counsel team, which persuaded another federal judge earlier this month, that would be Judge Beryl Howell, the previous chief district judge in, uh, in D.C. Uh, she left that post a week or so ago and was replaced by Boesberg. She determined uh, that a whole bunch of other top former Trump administration officials must also answer their subpoenas and testify to the grand jury. That long list includes uh, communications guy Dan Scavino, top White House white supremacy advisor Stephen Miller, national security advisor Robert O'Brien, Trump's director of national intelligence John Ratcliffe, the disputed deputy secretary of homeland security Ken Cuccinelli, and Trump White House personnel director John McEntee. They all must speak to the grand jury. Trump's daughter and son-in-law, Ivanka and Jared, they were also reportedly subpoenaed by Smith, though it is unclear if a ruling has been made in their cases, at least to date. Trump, naturally, is expected to appeal all of those rulings and potentially uh, Judge Boasberg's decision this week on Pence as well. But in any event, it is all moving in the right direction as maddeningly long as it seems to take. But at least it's going in the right direction as far as Jack Smith's federal probe is concerned. Meanwhile, in other electoral news today, back in the states where Republicans are also working very hard to undermine democracy itself, the continuing saga of white Republicans being arrested for voter, fra voter fraud in the great state of Florida. And of course, uh, you know, it, it ain't a huge thing. People are arrested for voting twice, often when they have homes in two states or voting when they're, you know, late wife uh, using their late wife's absentee ballot or something that happens all the time. It's pretty much penny ante stuff. 
Um, it's unlikely to change the results of any election, and it's certainly worth holding someone accountable for doing it, but it's hardly the type of election fraud that Donald Trump and his pretend stop the stealers have been pretending actually went on in 2020. You know, to steal entire statewide presidential elections in those battleground states where Trump definitely lost, even if narrowly in a number of cases. Nonetheless, with insidious uh, vote suppressors like Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis making a huge TV show circus of rounding up about 20 largely black and Hispanic people in Florida last summer in advance of the 2022 election to arrest them at you know gunpoint for having voted just once those people were in what they thought was a totally legal way. But they were a former felon and they subsequently learned that the, the state had really misinformed them. The state allowed them to register and vote uh, even though some, some former felons are blocked from voting in Florida. So uh, DeSantis had this very public crackdown that no doubt ended up frightening other former felons who were legally allowed to vote, frightened them into not voting at all for fear of being rounded up like these people were. Here are some of those arrests which were released uh, very publicly last year before the November election. Apparently, I, I guess you have a warrant? For what? I'm not it's sure. for voter stuff, man. For voters. It's, it's uh, what it uh, is. It, I think the agents with FDLE talked to you last week. About some voter fraud, voter stuff, you, when you weren't supposed to be voting, maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't. So. What are they talking they, about? That's what you're, they, we're not the case agents, but what you got to do, they, they have reduced your bond quite a bit. It, it's two felony charges for voter fraud, but they've reduced it to $500 bonds. So it's $1,000 total. Oh, my God, man. What so, the? Yes, sir. So, unfortunately, right now, we're going to have to take you to jail but you're get, you got a bond right away you don't have to go to first appearance nothing like that so a bond i didn't do it so man we have a word for your arrest for what so if you could put your hands on your back please oh my god do so not move. ultimately ma'am you have a warrant okay it's for voter fraud okay i'm like voter fraud i voted but i ain't fraud, commit no fraud well, so th that's the thing. I, I don't know exactly what happened with it, but you, you do have a warrant. That's what it's for. Okay. Oh, my God. Hey, unfortunately, you got a warrant out, okay? Warrant? What yes, sir. Warrant? Want to put your, put your hands behind your back for me? I guess you're not allowed to go. Well, no, but when I, no one ever really explained all that much to me. I told the guys when they came out here that I was at the, the driver's license place getting mm -hmm. my new driver's license. Yeah. The guy there asked me, he says, hey, can you walk? Okay. He says, hey. I'm pretty sure I can. He goes, well, are you still on probation? I said, no. Uh, I got off probation like a month ago. He goes, well, then you can probably vote. Hey, just fill out the form, and if you can vote, then they'll let you give you a card. If you can't vote, then you won't. And I'm like, all right. So that sounds like a loophole to me. So, well, we can hope. Yeah, I guess they're doing like some kind of roundup thing or something for all the ones that were within the county. This is crazy, man. Y'all put me in jail for something I didn't know nothing about. Why would y'all let me vote if I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to vote? 
Great question. And frankly, I hate playing that audio. Yes, it's uh, it's heartrending. Uh, it, it, it is, but it is also, you know, sends the message. It scares people in the state of Florida into, hey, you know what? If you were ever in jail for any crime, even though you're probably legally allowed to vote, you better not do it just to be safe because years later... Uh, Ron DeSantis may come rounding you up and arresting you and throwing you in jail. But you need to know what's going on, at least for some people in the great state of Florida, uh, because it's also worth noting who was not publicly rounded up like that at gunpoint and arrested and handcuffed first thing at, at dawn and hauled away on camera by order of DeSantis's election fraud police. As we have reported, there have been about four or five cases to date of white Republican voters in the white Republican Florida retirement enclave known as the Villages who have been very nicely and quietly charged with voter fraud, usually for voting twice in some fashion, despite, in their case, knowing that it was unlawful to do so. Unlike those who were charged by DeSantis for voting while being one of the few felons who are out of jail or, or, or you know, for either a, a, a sex or a murder related charge, which is supposed to bar them from voting, even though all other former felons were supposed to be able to vote following the 2018 statewide ballot referendum, which passed in a landslide, finally restoring voting rights to former felons or so-called returning citizens in the Sunshine State. But those arrested in the villages for voting illegally, they admitted to their crimes once they were caught and they were allowed to agree to a pretrial intervention programs, which sort of puts them on probation with some community service hours. It will expunge their record if they behave. Uh, must be nice. Nicer than being, you know, sent back to jail like the people of color rounded up by DeSantis's uh, thugs were on camera. Well, today we've got yet another one of those white Republican vote fraudsters, though it seems uh, like one that should have been rounded up during DeSantis's public on-camera arrests of several people of color last year. In advance of DeSantis's re-election, this guy, for some reason, was not rounded up that way. He seems to have gotten very different treatment. As reported by Florida Politics, a Hawthorne, Florida man has been arrested by the State Department for illegally voting. Daniel John Pernini surrendered himself to the Alachua County Jail. According to the Alachua County Sheriff's Department, he faces charges of fraudulent voting by an unqualified elector and perjury. Again, he surrendered himself to jail. It was not at gunpoint. He was not rounded up on camera and handcuffed and hauled out of his neighborhood in a police car at dawn, as those other folks were. This guy, he was allowed to surrender himself to jail months after the supervisor of elections forwarded an investigation. The arrest came months after Alachua County Supervisor of Elections sent a list to prosecutors of nine registered sex offenders who voted in the 2020 election, according to the Alachua Chronicle. The commander of the sheriff's office, public information office, said a warrant was active for Pernini's arrest. The charges were filed on March 16. Voter records show that the 50-year-old Pernini was registered 
Yes, as a Republican, if you can imagine that. He initially registered in 1991. He was convicted of a sexual crime in 2010. He registered again in September of 2020. And he voted, according to the investigation, by the Alachua County Supervisor of Elections. Notably, the media outlet mentions, uh, while a state police force made high-profile arrests before the election of 20 individuals on charges they voted illegally, the Alachua County Republican was not arrested in that sting. Shocking, isn't it? Nice of the of the newspaper to note it, though. It is indeed. I'm glad they did. In other, uh, and there's a nice big uh, his mug shot is right at the top of the uh, article. White guy. In other voting news today, most of it, frankly, as I said, not all that fantastic. Unfortunately, the U.S. Supreme Court on Monday declined a request from voters in Kansas to review a state court decision they say allows for racial gerrymandering of congressional districts in the state of Kansas. As noted, not fantastic. Uh, in this case, uh, given our stolen and corrupt and far right-wing U.S. Supreme Court, it's also not particularly surprising, I'm sad to say. In a controversial decision last year, the Kansas State Supreme Court upheld a Republican-drawn congressional map that had been blocked by a lower court after it had been found by the court to be an unlawful partisan gerrymander, which had diluted minority voting strength in the state. That sort of thing under previous less corrupt U.S. Supreme Courts, well, it used to be unconstitutional, but I guess not anymore. The new congressional map splits Wyandotte County, which is home to Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, it uh, splits that uh, Kansas City into two congressional districts for the first time in many decades. It cuts Kansas City right in half. For no apparent reason. And the change was seen as making it more difficult for Kansas's only Democratic member of Congress, Congresswoman Cherise Davids, to win re-election last year in a district that had previously included all of Kansas City. Now, the good news, I guess, Davids was victorious nonetheless last year, but the Republican-drawn map was clearly drawn to dilute the African-American vote between two different districts for no reason at all. There was no reason to split it up into two congressional districts in a state with only four U.S. House seats unless, of course, you wanted to dilute the power of certain people's votes. The... Supreme Court did not disclose a vote count in announcing that they would not be reviewing the state Supreme Court's ruling. Four votes would have been required to hear the case at the U.S. Supreme Court, but the stolen and corrupt SCOTUS is now six to three in favor of the Republican uh, appointees. So I'm guessing that the vote was likely six to three in favor of the Kansas vote suppressors. The court's decision to not hear the case means that the newly redrawn map will remain in play for the rest of the decade. Kansas Republicans had asked the U.S. Supreme Court to not, please, don't take this case. They argued in court papers that it lacked, the Supremes lacked jurisdiction in the matter and that the state, state court had rightly decided the case. No need for you guys to look at this. 
The group of voters, on the other hand, who were represented by the ACLU, the ACLU of Kansas, the Campaign Legal Center, they said in court papers that the Kansas Supreme Court had allowed intentional racial discrimination in allowing the maps to stand. Quote, under this conception of the 14th Amendment, where minority voters are fewer in number or more dispersed, states have carte blanche to intentionally discriminate against them in drawing districts, even if the legislature announced that it had acted specifically to disadvantage minority voters, they wrote. Well, uh, I guess they got their answer. Yes, intentional discrimination under this U.S. Supreme Court is apparently just fine. And make no mistake, that is what all of this is about. Republicans simply cannot win elections anymore based on their actual policies. They must both lie about those policies and they must game the election system. That is not democracy. That's autocracy, actually, and we'll continue to fight against it here in the U.S. and, frankly, everywhere else that it rears its ugly head wherever we can. To that end, we uh, join the progressives of Arkansas today who are now fighting to retain the last shred of democracy. It seems that they are or at least were allowed in the state. Republican politicians in Arkansas were seething three years ago, according to Daniel Nashanian at Bolts magazine. They were seething three years ago over progressive initiatives that legalized medical marijuana and increased the minimum wage in Arkansas. So they proposed amending the state's constitution to make it harder for residents to place measures on the ballot. Well, that makes sense, I guess. If you don't like statewide initiatives where the people get to have their say, make it harder to put those initiatives before the voters statewide. So uh, they did. They proposed amending the state constitution on a statewide initiative, and voters voted on that with a resounding no. They rejected issue three by double digits in November of 2020. They did not want to make it harder to get initiatives on the ballot, but that did not stop Arkansas Republicans, reports Nishanian, who this month pushed through those same stricter ballot measure rules that voters had expressly rebuffed in 2020. This time, instead of putting it on the ballot before the voters, lawmakers simply packaged their proposal into a regular bill, sidestepping another referendum to amend the state constitution, and Republican Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders signed it into law this month. Congratulations. State Senator Byron King, who opposed the bill, House Bill 1419, told uh, Nishanian, quote, I think the ultimate goal is to make it harder for citizens to challenge what their government does. Yeah. But here's the thing. King is a Republican. That said, he is just one of three GOP lawmakers out of 111 who were willing to join Democrats in voting against the bill. Days later, King filed a lawsuit, good for him, to block the bill, 
alongside the League of Women Voters of Arkansas, which defends voting rights in the state. Their complaint argues that HB 1419 violates the rules for the ballot initiative process that are laid out in detail in the state constitution. Quote, we see this bill as an attack on direct democracy in Arkansas, said the league's president, to have them go into session, pass this bill because they lost and just say, we know you didn't want this, that you don't want us to restrict the process, but we're just going to do it anyway. It's ridiculous, she added. Ridiculous, yes. Surprising? Well, not unless you just arrived here from Mars. Currently, organizers must collect signatures from no less than 15 of the state's 75 counties. That requirement is embedded in the state constitution. The 2020 proposal that voters had rejected would have increased that threshold from 15 to 45 countries. Counties. uh, Counties. But that was rejected by the voters. So instead, this new bill increases it to 50 counties. From 15 counties to 50 counties, and that's going to require organizers to set up signature gathering operations across much of the state, significantly raising the amount of money and resources that citizens groups would need to get any initiative on the ballot. Because, you know, you can't have people just putting anything they want up before the voters of the state to vote on it. What? Quote, even collecting signatures in 15 counties is wildly expensive. And so for them to increase the number of counties to 50 is going to shut down groups like ours, said uh, Bonnie Miller, the uh, president of the League of Women Voters. We're not going to be able to afford this, which, of course, is precisely the point. At least as long as Republicans control the legislature. Do you, do you think they would be uh, interested in making it harder to get things on the ballot if Democrats, let's say, uh, controlled the, uh, the, the legislature there? David Crouch, an uh, Arkansas attorney who had helped jumpstart several ballot initiatives like the 2014 Medical Marijuana Initiative, He's uh, now lead, the lead counsel in the lawsuit against this bill. He says the grassroots people are going to be screwed. The bill is part of a broader nationwide effort by Republican politicians to undercut initiatives, Nishanian notes. Most recently, Oklahoma's governor chose to schedule a citizen-initiated uh, referendum to legalize recreational marijuana in an unusual standalone special election in hopes of dampening turnout. And it worked. The day after that measure lost on March 8, Oklahoma's GOP-run Senate immediately passed a bill to make it easier to invalidate petition signatures in the future by mandating that voters use their full legal name when they sign a petition and any misspellings or nicknames or other deviations from a government ID could, in fact, nullify their signature. Uh, That bill now uh, sits in the Oklahoma House. Do not be surprised if it moves forward from there. To the uh, bill's critics in Arkansas, the fact that the state GOP first tried to change the signature requirements for ballot measures with a constitutional amendment in 2020, well, that was acknowledgement that their proposal required required a, a, a ballot initiative in order to change the constitutional amendment. 
and that an ordinary statute, an ordinary bill like the one they passed, would not do. In fact, Republicans initially rebounded from their 2020 failure by drafting yet another constitutional amendment to put on the ballot that would have forced future initiatives to receive 60 percent of the vote at the polls instead of 50. But Arkansans again rejected that measure overwhelmingly in November of 2022, just last year, by 18 percentage points. They really do not want this to be changed. And yet... The Republicans that fill the state legislature and the Republican in the governor's office, well, they don't seem to give much of a damn about what the people want, do they? David McAvoy, a progressive advocate who chaired the group Protect Arkansas Voices when they helped to fight off the 2020 amendment, said they tried amending the Constitution. And now that the voters rejected those attempts, they're just saying, well, we're just going to forget what the Constitution says and just do whatever we want. The lawsuit against HB 1419 argues specifically that its requirements uh, contradict those in the state constitution, which regulate the initiative process and that lawmakers therefore need to craft their proposal as a constitutional amendment like they did in 2020. Good luck with that. So uh, this is uh, going if this uh, bill does not get uh, knocked down by the courts, it's going to make things very, very difficult, at least for progressives, to try to get things uh, on the ballot. Uh, Until now, progressive organizers needed to spread their work across 15 counties, and Joe Biden received just 35% of the vote in Arkansas's 15th bluest county in 2020. So that is... Uh, that, that's nearly identical to his statewide results. Uh, but once they need to get 50 counties, they'll have to start finding allies in far more Republican territory. Biden received just 20 percent of the vote in the state's 50th bluest county. And yet that's where they're going to have to go out and collect signatures if they want to get anything on the ballot anymore. The legislature added an emergency clause to the bill, so it immediately takes effect. It could if it does, it will affect uh, several efforts that are already in the works for 2024. The fate of the bill will also eventually come down to the state's Supreme Court. In last year's election, conservatives in Arkansas tried to push the state Supreme Court even further to the right by targeting two justices who uh, have moderate reputations. Both of them secured re-election, however, and are likely to be on the court if, in fact, it does hear this case against the new law or any other restrictions. Uh, Three days after the bill was signed into law, Republican Representative David Ray filed another bill, a new proposal that would require the canvassers who are hired by uh, organizations to collect the signatures to first go through a licensing procedure. Oh, my goodness. Just to make it even harder, the bill would ratchet up the costs and bureaucracy associated with the process, just as HB 1419 has required organizations to hire significantly more canvassers because they'll need to uh, be spread out through many more counties. They just, quote, they just feel like they are in power to do whatever they want to do, said Crouch, the attorney who helped move the uh, marijuana measure in 2014. Quote, they don't care anything about the Constitution unless it's a gun.
ain't that the truth, as we were reminded yet again in Nashville on Monday uh, after yet another horrific school shooting. Uh, some thoughts on that in a moment. Uh, but this Arkansas story has brought was brought to my attention last night on Twitter by Josh Benton, who's the founder of the Neiman Lab for journalism at Harvard. And he notes that uh, in Arkansas, they're trying to make ballot initiatives harder in order to head off popular liberal issues, while in states like Louisiana, they're trying to make recall petitions easier, the better to weaken and replace the black mayor of New Orleans. Mm. No consistency, he notes, beyond partisanship. See how that works? If y'all don't understand... All of this right now as a direct attack on democracy itself by folks who do not like democracy, who in fact hate democracy, who prefer authoritarianism. If you all don't understand it for what it is by now, then I guess I have not yet done my job working on it. Let's take a quick break here. We will be back with more, including, if we're lucky, at least a bit of good news maybe for you. A little bit. In Desi Doyen's latest Green News report, which, as usual, is nothing but good news. <laughs> All of that is ahead on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Well, you know, uh, speaking of policies that Americans oppose in huge numbers, but Republicans continue to push anyway, which is why they have to game the election system across the entire nation at this point to do it. The assailant who killed six people at a Christian elementary school in Nashville, Tennessee, on Monday had legally purchased seven, seven firearms recently, including the three that were used in the shooting on Monday and was being treated for an emotional disorder, the Nashville police chief said on Tuesday. The shooter was under doctor's care, said Chief John Drake of the Na Nashville Metro Police Department at a news briefing on Tuesday afternoon, under a doctor's care for an emotional disorder, yet still allowed to purchase seven guns, at least two of them semi-automatic assault weapons, while apparently setting off no red flags at all. Because this is America. 
The shooter purchased seven firearms from five different local gun stores and stashed them around the house, Chief Chief Drake said, using three of them on Monday to kill three nine-year-old children and three adults. Drake said the police had not determined a motive for the shooting, but stressed that they believed that the school and the church had been a target as opposed to any single person. In a manifesto, which the police are continuing to review, there were also... Uh, writing about uh, other locations as well. Chief Drake declined to confirm any additional information right now about the shooter who was a former student at the school. In the wake of this latest mass school shooting in Nashville, CNN asked several GOP members of Congress, including Speaker Kevin McCarthy, about all of this. McCarthy refused to say anything refused to respond to the reporter asking questions, could not even answer a question about guns and gun safety the day after the 129th mass shooting in the U.S. And by the way, we are just uh, 86 days into the new year. 129 mass shootings. CNN's Manu Raju, however, did manage to get at least an answer or two, if terrible ones, from some other Republican members, uh, including first here in this uh, montage, Byron Donalds of Florida, and finally, Congressman Andy Ogles of Tennessee, who actually represents the actual district where the Covenant School is located, where the Massacre, the latest massacre was carried out. None of these uh, members seem to be able to give straight answers to the questions about gun safety reform, even in the wake of Monday's mass shooting at the school. So Second Amendment here in the United States, people are allowed to possess firearms. Need is in the eye of the beholder. I don't question why you need a blue suit, but you got one. And I know we're talking about something very, very different, but the Second Amendment allows American citizens to possess firearms. So why not limit the to AR-15s? Why not why not put a ban on that? If you're going to talk about the AR-15, you're talking politics now. Let's not get into politics. All right, let's not get into emotion because emotion feels good, but emotion doesn't solve problems. Why not ban AR-15s? Why not talk about the real issue facing this country in regards to the shooting, which would be mental health? Okay, let's talk about it, Congressmen. Uh, First, yeah, we'd hate to bring up politics here in Congress. And we'd hate to get emotional about children being murdered in their schools because that would be bad somehow. The shooter in this case, as long as uh, Ogles, who again represents the district where the shooting took place, as long as Ogles uh, is saying, you know, let's talk about the real issue, uh, mental health. Well, the shooter was suffering reportedly from a mental disorder, according to police, but nonetheless was still allowed to buy seven weapons at the same time, nonetheless. So why did you all... Make it easier, Republicans, under Donald Trump, to allow those who are suffering from mental health disorders to be able to both buy and keep guns. If you actually care about mental health, the real issue, why is it that in America and America only, apparently, we even have mental health issues? Because everywhere else, other civilized uh, nations, they apparently have no mental health issues at all because for some reason they're able to prevent you know, more than tens of thousands of gun deaths each year. It must be because they have no mental health problems at all in those countries, right? 
Or maybe, maybe it's not a mental health issue after all. Maybe the problem here is easy access to assault weapons. Maybe? And no, uh, Congressman Donalds, uh, there is nothing in the Second Amendment that bars the regulation of firearms, you know. Uh, like that assault weapons ban, for example, that was in place for a decade and worked pretty well from 1994 to 2004 when the bill sunsetted and your party, your Republican Party and your Republican president at the time, George W. Bush, allowed that bill to expire. Before we then subsequently saw an explosion in assault weapons massacres in this country. And, by the way, do you suppose this is why your party has, has to work so hard to prevent certain people from being able to vote for their representatives of their choice or from placing their own direct democracy initiatives onto the ballot? Do you suppose that could be? I must say, any folks that you hear at this point or that you read in the media who talk about, you know, Congress's failure to adopt gun safety legislation or lawmakers in D.C., without mentioning that it is actually Republicans and only Republicans who are blocking gun safety legislation to make sure Americans are, you know, free to continue committing murder wherever and however they like. If they don't mention that it's Republicans who are holding the, uh, this up, then they are doing you a disservice and they should be called out for it. And I'm not a, a, a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. But I am someone who believes in telling the truth. And yes, it is Republicans preventing doing anything about uh, this epidemic that is in our country. It is not an emotional issue. It is a partisan issue, in fact. One party, the Democrats, favor measures to help protect Americans. The other party, the Republican Party, favors the status quo of the worst gun violence epidemic by far in all the world. So it is a partisan issue. And if you're in favor of gun violence, well, vote for Republicans because they're in favor of gun violence as well. If you're against gun violence, well, vote for Democrats because they're against it and they would like to do something about it. But boy, if you want to talk about American exceptionalism, I guess that's what this really means, because that's what goes on in this country and only in this country. As I uh, noted, one of the Sandy Hook mothers uh, had said last night that Republicans love guns more than they love children, and it is difficult to dispute that. Though I might add that they love the uh, money from the gun lobby more than they love children. Either way, uh, anyone who is afraid to call them out for it by name, who needs to couch it in, you know, lawmakers can't agree terms. Well, you know, without calling out Republicans for unilaterally blocking any and all gun safety measures, anyone who does that is lying to you. And if they're in the media, they are doing a crappy job of upholding their constitutional mandate to inform and educate the electorate. Democratic California Congressman Ted Lieu had a few thoughts on all of this on Tuesday in support of law enforcement and against the cowardly, corrupted Republican majority in the U.S. House. I also want to commend the brave law enforcement officers who responded to mass shooting and by our accounts, ran towards gunfire and killed the shooter. We're asking law enforcement officers to run towards 
AR-15 weapons. You cannot support weapons of war on our streets and support law enforcement at the same time. That's why we need to take action to prevent gun violence. And what did House Republicans do? Well, they had a hearing scheduled for today in the House Judiciary Committee in which I sit that was going to make it easier for people to get pistol braces that can make AR-15s even more deadly. And what do Republicans do? They canceled the hearing. Now, why would they do that? If they honestly believe, as they say, that arming more Americans with more guns, more AR-15s, more pistol braces would make us safer, they would have held the hearing and had that as a solution. But they didn't do that. They ran away. They ran away and they're hiding because they know that the talking points they're spewing are simply not true. Giving everyone more AR-15s and more guns does not, in fact, make American society safer. Because if it did, they would have had that hearing, had the debate, had the argument, and did the markup of that bill. Cowards. Cowards indeed. And by the way, uh, they are most afraid of you. They are most afraid of you voting them out of power. You know, there's there's the old saying, oh, if, if voting uh, actually accomplished anything, you wouldn't be allowed to do it. Well, that's why they're trying to keep you from being able to do it. They are frightened of you. And when I say they, no, I don't mean politicians. No, I don't mean Congress. I mean the Republican Party. They are frightened of you. They are frightened of themselves. They are frightened to hold a hearing to, uh, you know, on something they claim would somehow make us safer the day after a massacre, a gun massacre was held. Why wouldn't they hold that hearing today? Because they know better. And they're cowards. And they're afraid that you're going to figure out what they, the Republican Party, is doing. Don't be fooled and uh, don't allow media outlets to make this a both sides issue. It's not Congress who is failing. It's the Republican Party. Green News Report is next. The Bratcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com/donate. That's bradblog.com/donate. And thanks. Okay, now we get to the fun and funny part of the show, the Green News Report, which is always nothing but laughs. See, she's laughing already because yeah. it's always so fun. Uh, all right, well, <laughs> it is what it is. It's the world we live in. Let's get to it. Our latest Green News Report. The tornadoes came at the most dangerous time possible during the darkness of night. Massive tornado system bulldozes path of destruction across Mississippi. 
Floods from historic California storms inundate farmland and impact food prices. Plus, renewable energy has hit a new global record. All of those broken records and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. What a glorious day we had here in New York City. It was 60 degrees. (laughs) Climate change has its perks. Oops, this is your Green News Report. Yes, we're all going to die, but sweater weather. Okay, Tessie Doyen, well, this was one hell of a way to begin the tornado season this year. Yes, sadly, a daunting recovery is ahead for Mississippi and Alabama after a series of powerful, deadly nighttime tornadoes bulldozed a path of destruction across both states over the weekend. President Biden has issued a federal disaster declaration for the hardest-hit areas, which are among the poorest regions in the country. Overall, an estimated 27 tornadoes were reported in five states causing widespread damage and power outages. The biggest was a massive, rare EF4 tornado that stayed on the ground for more than an hour, destroying the town of Rolling Fork, Mississippi overnight on Friday, killing at least 21 people. Rolling Fork Mayor Eldridge Walker says his city is reeling. And what we're doing now is assessing all the damage around, along with uh, the volunteers from various counties that are here helping us to uh, locate folk who are trapped in their homes. This tornado, uh, aside from being on the ground for an hour, was anywhere from 60 to 170 miles on the ground from uh, various reports. Uh, This is a big one, and it's disturbing to see the tornado belt moving so far south and to the east. Yes, and we'll get to more of that in a moment. More severe weather is forecast for the area. As for climate change, data on tornadoes is simply insufficient to conclusively connect tornado frequency or severity to human-caused climate change. But climate scientists say that there is evidence that the warming atmosphere is causing shifts in tornado behavior and location. Abnormally warm ocean temperatures in the Gulf of Mexico are likely boosting tornado activity by increasing heat energy that fuels storms, and warming overnight temperatures are leading to an increase in deadly nighttime tornadoes. And, as Brad mentioned, geographically, Tornado Alley is shifting east, away from the Great Plains toward the southeast. California is bracing for another storm in that historic series of powerful storms that have triggered widespread flooding. Another one? Yes. Really? So much precipitation has hit the state that dry Tulare Lake, once the largest freshwater lake west of the Mississippi, which was drained in the early 20th century by industrial agriculture, that lake has now reappeared, drowning thousands of acres of farmland. And that, in turn, is likely to trigger higher food prices later this year. And, officials warn, it's going to get worse. More flooding is certain, depending on how fast the state's near-record snowpack melts in coming weeks and months. On the other hand, New Lake. 
It's the opposite situation in Somalia. A stunning new United Nations report estimates that 43,000 people may have died last year amid Somalia's longest drought on record, half of them likely children under five years old. Somalia and neighboring Ethiopia and Kenya are facing a sixth consecutive failed rainy season while rising global food prices and the war in Ukraine complicate the hunger crisis. Globally, a new report by the United Nations warns that a quarter of the world's population lacks access to safe drinking water, and nearly half of the global population has no access to basic sanitation. Twelve of the 15 most water-stressed countries in the world are located in the volatile Middle East and North Africa. The UN warns that without action, 60 percent of the world's population could face water supply issues by 2050, raising the specter of regional water wars. What type of action could be uh, carried out here. Governments taking steps to deal with overconsumption, pollution, and water waste. Mm. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres addressed the findings at the UN Water Conference. Water is a human right and the common development denominator to shape a better future. But water is in deep trouble. I see what he did there. But some good news. Global renewable energy capacity grew by 10% last year. That's a new record, according to the International Renewable Energy Agency. 83% of all new electricity capacity built in 2022 was from renewables. But the agency warns that renewable energy needs to grow by three times the current rate Mm. to successfully limit global warming. Oh, I'm sure there's nothing to worry about. We'll take care of this any moment now. For much more on all of these stories... And the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Sun is shining, it's getting hot. Ocean's rising, ready or not. Wanna say the humans gotta pick up the pace. Yeah. Gotta pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. Gotta pick up the pace. Yes, please. All right, we got to pick up the pace and get out of here. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyne, to all of you yep. for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can, of course, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. There is no paywall there. Why? Because of those of you who are kind enough to donate to our efforts. You can go straight to bradblog.com slash donate, or better yet, right now we could really use... Uh, a round of folks signing up for monthly subscriptions of any amount you like. Just go to bradblog.com slash donate. It's easy. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. Oh, and the Mastodons, the Brad Blog. Yes. See you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Gotta pick up the base. Pick up the base. Say the